Welcome to Pro Life in 7 Minutes, the show where I spend over 20 minutes teaching you how you can persuade a pro choice person in only 7. I'm your host, Katherine Burrow. I'm the co founder and executive director of the Abortion Dialogue Academy, also known as ADA. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I am having a great day today. I just got back from a pro-life meeting where I ran into a familiar face. Uh, There was a student named Josh that our volunteers met in 2019 on campus. And when we met him, he was very pro-choice. But our volunteers persuaded him to be pro-life with our seven-minute argument. And then he went on to join the pro-life club and become the vice president of the pro-life club his senior year. And so he was at this meeting, and I just learned that he is now working in the pro-life movement. And he had a whole pitch he gave about this campaign he's doing for abortion-free cities. And it was so exciting to see, you know, here was this person who several years ago was pro-choice. And then now here he is trying to end abortion in our city. Oh, it was just it was just a great morning. So if you're curious, you know, okay, well, what did we say to him? What persuaded Josh to to become pro-life? I'm going to keep teaching you that today. Last week, we covered the first part of the seven-minute argument, the circumstance section. And today, we're going to move on to the second part of the seven-minute argument, the personhood sections. Quick housekeeping notes. One, if you are new to the podcast, welcome. However, I'm going to recommend that you go back and listen to these episodes in order because we are going to be building on all of the concepts we've covered in the previous episodes today. And then two, if you're not on our podcast email list yet, go and sign up because you're going to need our outreach card for the content we're going to cover in today's episode. You can sign up either in the show notes um, or by going to our website. That's www.abortiondialogacademy.org slash podcast. And then you will get the outreach card emailed to you. So you can print it out and you can use it in your conversations. And it's going to be absolutely essential that you use it in your conversations because this episode is going to be a little philosophically complex and the pro-choice person is going to need that visual aid in order to understand the argument and they need to understand the argument in order to be persuaded by it. And my third and final housekeeping note, everything I'm going to cover in today's episode will be printed in the workbook that will be emailed to you with the outreach card. You're going to have the exact language of the personhood section. You're going to have how we use the outreach card. So don't feel like you need to take notes while you're listening to this. Just go download that workbook. Now, with all of that being said, let's go ahead and dive into the personhood section. So the first step is to ask the pro-choice person, what do you think the fetus would need to be legally considered a person like the newborn? This question is the next logical progression in the conversation. If you remember from last week's episode, we've just asked the pro-choice person, you know, if they see how at whatever point the fetus becomes a person like the newborn, abortion should be illegal in all of these circumstances because it kills a person. So then you transition to asking, okay, so what do you think the fetus would need to be legally considered a person like the newborn? So that's step A. A couple of things. There's kind of four components to this step that volunteers tend to mess up that are very important. So the first component is the word what. What, 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 what. Do not ask when. (laughs) We don't want to know when they think the fetus becomes a person. We want to know what they think the fetus would need to be considered a person. When I started really emphasizing this to volunteers, I noticed that a lot of them started saying, 
at what point. (laughs) At what point is the same as saying when. (laughs) So it's not just the word what, it's the concept of what that's important. Because when you ask a pro-choice person, when do they think the fetus becomes a person or at what point do they think the fetus becomes a person, you're not actually challenging them to think critically about this issue. You need the pro-choice person to be thinking about why they don't think the fetus is a person. Like, what's the thing that the fetus doesn't have that makes it not a person? Because for a lot of pro-choice people, it's kind of this vague, amorphous, well, it's just not developed enough. And they haven't really defined what that means in their minds. So when you ask when, the pro-choice person is able to give you a pretty lazy, easy answer. They typically are like, ah, second trimester, six weeks, first trimester. But you haven't made them think through, okay, but why at that point? Because when they say first trimester, the reason they picked that is because they're roughly saying to you, well, about then, I think it's, you know, developed enough to be considered a person. But you want them to pin down, okay, but what is it in the development it needs? What does it lack? Is it the heartbeat? Is it the brain waves? Is it the ability to feel pain? What about the fetus makes it not a person like the newborn? That's why you're asking this what question is because you want to know what do they think the fetus would need to be legally considered a person like a newborn? And this is why I get on that soapbox and I tell people, especially new volunteers, just memorize our methodology. Because you might look at this and you see the word what and you think, oh, at what point? That's like the same concept. But notice how just that simple change really changes what you're asking the pro-choice person. It changes the direction of the conversation and it weakens the argument. So I'm going to sound like a broken record by the end of you know all these episodes, but really, really important that you memorize our language the way we teach it because we pick these words very particularly. Now, this legally considered a person part is also important because you want to make it clear to the pro-choice person you're asking what you think the fetus would need to be considered a person in the eyes of the law. So not a person in your personal opinion, but a person that deserves legal protection because that's a much more clear and in a lot of ways higher bar. Notice also that once again, we're using the word person in this step because if you remember from episode four, We need to avoid the embryology trap. We need to keep our conversation clear. So we are talking about what the fetus would need to be legally considered a person, a person in the philosophical sense of the word. And then this last part is also important, a person like the newborn. So we use, once again, the newborn as our reference point of what we mean when we say person. Because like I talked about in last week's episode, a lot of pro-choice people think the fetus is a you know potential person, so to speak. So what would the fetus need to be legally considered you know a person on the same level as newborns, you know, so that they would get that same legal protection? You're giving that newborn reference point to make it clear what you're really asking with this question. So after you ask step A, the purchase person is going to either answer your question or they're going to not answer the question. And there's several ways that they don't answer the question, but I'm going to talk first about what you do if they do answer it. So if they answer it, they're going to answer with some developmental ability that they think the fetus needs. So what you're going to do next is you're going to move to step B and you're going to build common ground with that developmental ability. So for example, if they say that they think the fetus needs to be able to feel pain, you could say something to the effect of, I agree that pain is an important developmental milestone, or I agree that it does seem especially cruel to have an abortion after the fetus can feel pain. Um, There's a lot of things you can say to build common ground with that. 
But if you don't remember what I'm talking about, when I say build common ground, go re-listen to episode three. I teach you how to build common ground in that episode. Now, what do you do if they don't answer the question though? Now, there's two ways they're going to not answer the question. The first is they're going to literally say to you, I don't know. And that is not a bad response for the record, because what that shows is that you are challenging the pro-choice person to think about this issue in a way that they have never thought about it before. And that's why we ask this question. We ask this question because we want to challenge the pro-choice person to look at the abortion issue from a new perspective and to be engaged in the argument we're presenting. So what we teach volunteers to do when the pro-choice person says, I don't know, is to flip the outreach card over to the back side, the embryology side, and to just show the pro-choice person some of the developmental milestones to see if that helps them, you know, answer the question. But it's important to remember that the seven-minute argument is not a debate or a dialogue. It is a presentation. You don't need the pro-choice person to answer the question in order to be able to continue on to the next step. And this is where I see a lot of volunteers get into trouble. It's like they feel like they have to force the pro-choice person to give them a criteria or they're stuck. But the truth is you should never try to force a pro-choice person to answer any of your questions because what it does is it backfires in the conversation. It makes them feel like you're leading them into a logical trap and you just want to get them to say something so you can show them how dumb it is. So if you're getting a lot of resistance from a pro-choice person at answering this question, that's fine. Just pick a random criteria. I typically pick pain and then move on to the next step and use that example criteria. Just make sure when you pick that random criteria that you make it clear to the pro-choice person that you understand that this is not their view. You're just kind of picking an example so you can finish showing them the argument. Now, the second way that they're going to not answer the question is they're going to give you a when criteria. Even though you asked for a what ability, they give you a when time marker answer. So maybe they say, oh, I just think it becomes a person at six weeks. The reason they're saying they think it becomes a person at six weeks is because what they're saying to you vaguely is they think that at that point, the fetus is developed enough. But we really want to get the pro-choice person to articulate what they think happens at that time marker that makes the fetus now a person. And so what you do if that happens is you ask what I call our personhood clarification question, which is where you ask the pro-choice person, what developmentally changes at blank? So what developmentally changes at six weeks that makes the fetus now a person? And as you do this step, we teach volunteers to once again, flip the outreach card over, show them the embryology side, let them look at some of the development mental milestones and see if that doesn't help them pick in their brain. That's why it's a person. Now that's the thing it needs so that I can consider it to be a person. But once again, if the pro-choice person is really struggling to answer this question, it is okay to just pick an example criteria and continue on to the next step. The next step is going to be to build common ground. Then after you do that, you're going to transition into the challenge steps. Before I dive into the particulars of each step, I just want to zoom back out and explain the why of this section, because a lot of times the personhood section of the seven-minute argument is where I lose pro-life volunteers. I see kind of the eyes glaze over, uh, and we don't really understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. So if you remember from my episode on the three pro-choice arguments, pro-choice people are pro-choice because they don't 
think the fetus is a person. In the circumstance section that we finished last episode, you've shown the pro-choice person that if the fetus was a person, then abortion should be illegal in all these situations. And now you've just asked the pro-choice person, okay, what would the fetus need to be considered a person? And they've given you some ability criteria. The reason the pro-choice person gave you an ability criteria like rational thought or our memories or our ability to experience the world or feel pain is because they're trying to articulate what is it that sets us apart from animals? What is it that makes humans people? But the problem you run into when you try to base our personhood on our abilities is one of two problems. Either one, the purchase person ends up picking a criteria that is so developmentally complex that typically newborns can't do it and would not be considered people, or they pick a criteria that's so developmentally simple that while newborns can do it, animals typically can do it as well. And so this is what you have to show the pro-choice person. You have to show them that while they're kind of on the right track, the way that they're defining personhood, it's not giving personhood rights to the creatures that they think are people. And it is giving personhood rights to creatures that they don't think are people. So you're going to show the pro-choice person this with five steps. Now, the first two steps are about setting up the outreach card. The first step you're going to say, um, when discussing what makes a person a person legally, I find it helpful to examine things we already agree are people. For example, we would agree that adults and newborns are people and animals are not people, right? Now, as you're doing this step, you're going to be writing on the outreach card. And it's really important that you write on the outreach card so the purchase person is able to track the logic. So as you say this step, you're going to circle the person text next to the little adult icon. And you're going to circle the word person next to the newborn icon. And you're going to circle the word not next to the animals icon. And if you print out the outreach card, you'll kind of see um, what I'm talking about here. So um, as you say, you're going to go, okay, when discussing what makes a person a person legally, I find it helpful to examine things we already agree are people. For example, we would agree that adults, you're going to circle person, and newborns, you're going to circle person, are people, and animals are not people, and you're going to circle the not. The important things in this step is that you're establishing what essentially will become the basis of our argument. So you're going to start by establishing the uncontroversial things, the things that we already agree are people. And this we already agree or this we would agree language is important. I talked about this in the last week's episode. You really want to avoid asking uncontroversial things as genuine questions. And the reason is because when you ask something uncontroversial, like are adults people, as a question, the pro-choice person gets this sinking feeling in their stomach that you're leading them into a logical trap. (laughs) And when they feel like they're being led into a trap, what they do is one, they get kind of wary of you. Two, they're not paying as close of attention to you because they're, you know, they're trying to see what's the sleight of hand here. And that really is going to hurt you in your persuasiveness because, you know, you need the purchase person to be focused on the arguments and calm and listening to you, not concerned about, you know, how you're going to make them look like a fool um, at the end of your next sentence. So that's why it's really important. Do not word this as a series of questions. I hear volunteers all the time being like, are adults people? Are newborns people? Are animals people? Don't do that. Don't do that. Ask it as we teach it and say, we would agree that adults and newborns are people and animals are not people, right? Notice, however, that we do end this step with right, question mark, 
And the reason is because there's a very small chance that the pro-choice person might disagree with you on animals. They might take issue with you saying that animals are not people. So you want to give the pro-choice person space to voice that objection, but not assume that they're going to have that objection because the truth is they very rarely do. Now, I'm going to talk about what you do if they do have an animal rights objection in a future podcast episode, but because that's pretty rare, we're not going to cover it in today's episode. After you do step one, you're going to move into step two. Um, This step is still explaining kind of the formatting of the outreach card. So um, what you're going to say to the pro-choice person is this scale lists creatures in order from most abilities to least abilities. If we draw the legal personhood line at blank, Everything above this line has blank and would be considered a person, and everything below this line doesn't have blank and would not be considered a person. So for example, if the purchase person said that they think you need to be able to feel pain to be considered a person, you would insert that into the blank. So you'd say, you know, this scale is creatures in order from most abilities to least abilities. If we draw the legal personhood line at pain, everything above this line has the ability to feel pain and would be considered a person. And everything below this line does not have the ability to feel pain and would not be considered a person. So when you go to download the outreach card, you'll see that what it has on it is a scale, a vertical scale of icons. So the top icon is an adult. Right under that are some animal icons. Under that is the newborn icon. And then at the very bottom of the scale is the fetus icon. So those icons represent different organisms and they're listed in order of creatures with the most abilities being at the top of the scale to creatures with the least abilities being at the bottom of the scale. Now, as you're doing this step, you're going to draw a line on the outreach card and your line needs to be such that everything above the line has the ability and everything below the line does not have the ability. And then you're going to write what the ability is next to the line. So for example, if the ability was pain, you would draw the line in between the fetus and newborn icon and you'd write pain. So that way, everything above the line has the ability to feel pain. For example, the adult, the animals, the newborn, and everything below the line does not have the ability to feel pain, the fetus. Now, sometimes I have volunteers who are like, wait, but the fetus can feel pain at a certain point in pregnancy. So if you want to be more exact, you could technically draw the line two thirds into the fetus icon, or you could just draw it in between the fetus and the newborn. Doesn't really matter. The exact placement is not important. What's important is that you're showing visually to the pro-choice person, okay, here's the things that fall above the line. Here's the things that fall below the line. So another example would be though, if like the pro-choice person said like, oh, you need to be self-aware to be considered a person. So that line is going to be a lot higher up on the card. So, you know, that line would probably be in between the ape and the pig. So you draw a line that way, everything below that line, the pig, the cow, the chicken, the newborn, the fetus, um, all of them are not self-aware. And then above the line, you'd have the ape and the adult. The important part of this step is making sure the purchase person understands how the outreach card works, why the creatures are in the order that they're in, what it means to draw a line on the scale. And this is going to be important when you move into step three. Step three is going to show the pro-choice person the problem with the criteria they gave in step A. And there's going to be one of two problems. And the problem that's going to arise is going to depend on the type of criteria they gave you in step A. All pro-choice criteria fall into one of two categories. 
They're either going to be developmentally complex, so something that a newborn cannot do, for example, you know, self-awareness or rational thought, or they're going to be developmentally simple. They're going to be something that a newborn can do. So this would be, you know, pain, heartbeat, brain waves, any of those kind of simple criteria. Which criteria the portrait person gives you is going to dictate which version of step three you do. So if they give you a developmentally complex criteria like self-awareness, you would do step 3A. You would say, the reason we can't make a personhood law based on self-awareness is because newborns would fall below the line and would not be considered people. Now, if they give you a developmentally simple criteria, like the ability to feel pain, for example, you would do step 3B. You'd say, the reason we can't make a personhood law based on pain is because animals would fall above the line and would be considered people. Now, in your experience with pro-choice people, you're going to end up doing step 3B a lot more frequently than you do step 3A. In fact, I had one volunteer once who was like convinced that no one ever had a developmentally complex criteria, which was funny because he was a very seasoned volunteer and he just finished telling me this theory. And then the very next conversation I listened to him have, the pro-choice person gave him a complex criteria. Uh, Because it is true that most pro-choice people are going to give you developmentally simple criteria. Um, Most of them are going to give you something that newborns can do, but that means that animals can also do it as well. And once again, notice that we are using language like we can't make a personhood, we're talking about personhood law, we're talking about law based on their criteria because newborns would fall below the line and would not be considered people or animals would fall above the line and would be considered people. That people language again, really important in this step. So the last two steps, steps four and five, involve showing the pro-choice person how we can't make a personhood law based on any pro-choice criteria. True story, we used to not teach steps four and five. We used to just teach volunteers how to refute any and every criteria the pro-choice person brought up. One summer, my brother, when he was in high school, ended up volunteering with us. And we noticed that he was changing a lot more minds than our other volunteers. He was explaining to the pro-choice person how any and every criteria they could ever possibly think of was not going to work. And it makes sense that this makes him more persuasive. Because if you think about it, the pro-choice person has thought about this issue for you know five minutes and they came up with this one criteria off the top of their head. Our other volunteers would refute every criteria the pro-choice person could think of in that moment, but that allowed the pro-choice person to still leave the conversation thinking, well, maybe I just haven't thought about this enough. Maybe if I thought about it more, I could think of a pro-choice criteria that includes newborns and excludes animals. But that is not logically possible, and that was what my brother was showing to the people he was talking to. If you remember my analogy from that very first episode where the pro-choice person is the judge, this explains why steps four and five are so critical for persuasion, because this is not a you versus the pro-choice person debate. This is a you versus the pro-choice worldview presentation, and the pro-choice person is the judge. So if you want to persuade them, you need to do more than just refute the thing they thought of in the moment. You need to refute the entire pro-choice argument. The first part, uh, step four, is to say to the pro-choice person that we can't make a personhood law based on any ability because many animals have the same or more abilities than newborns, which is why animals are higher on this scale. Okay, so let's talk about the important language in this step. You're showing the pro-choice person how we cannot make a personhood law based on any ability. 
And the reason is because animals have the same or more abilities than newborns. The truth is, is that humans give birth to one of the most underdeveloped creatures. There's very little that a newborn can do that a full-fledged animal can't. A lot of animals actually can do more than what a newborn baby can do. If you ever, you know, held a newborn or hung out with a newborn, they're they're pretty useless little creatures. <laughs> and trust me, I know. I, I've I've had two of my own, which is why animals are higher on the scale. Because as we talked about in step two, the scale lists creatures in order from most to least abilities. Because sometimes pro-choice people are like, wait, why are animals in the middle of the scale? And it's because they have less abilities than a fully grown adult, but they have more abilities typically than a newborn and obviously the fetus. So that's why the animals are where they're at. And because they have more abilities, the same or more abilities than a newborn, that's why we can't just base our personhood on abilities. It doesn't make sense of what sets us apart from animals. And this leads us into the next step, which is step five, that an ability-based law is either going to set the legal bar too high and exclude newborns or set the legal bar too low and include animals. Does that make sense? So let's break down the important language here. So an ability-based law, which is, you know, what the project person is advocating for, an ability-based law is it's going to run into one of these two problems. Either one, it's going to set the legal bar too high. And as you're doing this step, you're actually going to draw a line that's up high to, you know, visually show the project person, look, it's either going to set the bar too high because you've given, you know, a complex criteria, something newborns can't do. Or it's going to set the bar too low because you've given a simple criteria, something that newborns can do, but animals can also do. And if it sets the bar too low, that's going to include animals. So if we set the bar too high, we're going to exclude newborns, which is clearly a problem. We established that in step one, newborns are people, excluding them is a problem. Or it's going to set the bar too low. And if we do that, we're going to be including animals, which is also a problem, which we established in step one. And then you're going to wrap up this step by asking the pro-choice person, does that make sense? You want to make sure that they've tracked with the logic so far, that they understand that we can't make a personhood law based on an ability. And you need to make sure that they understand that before you transition into the next part of the seven-minute argument, which is the pro-life case section. You've just showed them, hey, we can't make personhood law based on abilities. And now in the pro-life case section, you're going to present them an alternative way of thinking about personhood. That's what I'm going to be teaching in our next episode. I'll teach you how to present the pro-life case part of our seven-minute argument. So if you want to learn that, tune in to our next episode. If you liked today's episode, you can help support the channel by leaving us a five-star review. Make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. And if you haven't yet, sign up for our podcast email list on our website. That's www.abortiondialogacademy.org slash podcast. That way you get all the training exercises from the show delivered right to your inbox. Now I will see all of you next Saturday as I continue to teach you how you can persuade someone to be pro-life in seven minutes. Until next week, God bless.